Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Today, we're going to talk with uscfootball.com's great beat writer and columnist, Dan Weber, about this USC Trojan team getting ready for Penn State. Uh, of course, January 2nd in the Rose Bowl, and we've got to uh, see the Trojans practice again for the first time in a few weeks. We want to talk to Dan about that. If you have any questions for us, email us at podcast at uscfootball.com. Or go, or you can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, leave a voicemail there, or by calling 641-715-3900, extension 816-646. A lot of ways to get a hold of us. We're on iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio, Audio Boom, TuneIn Radio, lots of ways to consume the podcast. Hopefully you can go on there and subscribe, leave some positive feedback. We love all of that. We love to hear from you, and we're glad that you are listening to our little USC football show. So, Without further ado, let's bring in Dan Weber. What is up, Dan? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Kind of enjoying uh, getting back out on the field. And uh, I don't know any more than the players uh, who really seem to be uh, having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, they're they're real competitive. They're going fast. Uh, you know, they're not having to kind of, you know, juice up the uh, enthusiasm. These guys just really uh, seem to very much as they have the last, you know, nine weeks or so of the season, they really enjoy being out there on the practice field. And and that's one of the throwback things, I think, that you always remember, you know, from Pete Carroll's time is how much those guys enjoyed being on the practice field and, and competing with one another and pushing one another and uh, seeing that. I, I think I, I like what I'm seeing, uh, you know, in the first couple of days of official bowl prep work uh, that, that they're doing that. The uh, yeah the the bull prep has been a hot topic I guess you could say Dan mm-hmm. people in the peristyle yeah. um, you know talking about it and stuff you, we got to see the first couple of days one was full pads one was shoulder pads only um, you know what are your overall thoughts on that that first day or first couple of days well uh, I think offensively there just didn't seem to be you know haven't had any break. I mean, that they just seem to, I mean, we're not seeing any, uh, you know, uh, guys jumping off sides or getting the calls wrong or guys lining up wrong or, or whatever. And that's including, uh, you know, all the work that, uh, you know, Jalen Green and, uh, and Matt Fink are getting with the second group. So, uh, so that's been a, I can you know, kind of a revelation that they just seem to be, uh, you know, ready to go. Uh, we're seeing more, uh, red shirt freshmen. Freshmen who are being redshirted working in with the second group. Uh, and that's something that we haven't seen as much, uh, you know, during the year. We're seeing Carrie Angeline at tight end, um, um, uh, Velas Jones, uh, Vivai Malapai, uh, you know, guys like that, uh, that are, you know, uh, and, and, a, and a number of the wide receivers who aren't going to play in the Rose Bowl. But are getting to work, uh, because the second offense works against the first defense much of the time. So, uh, so I think that's, that's kind of good news is they're able to incorporate them, 
these good athletes so that the first team defense sees the best athletes USC has, uh, you know, to put against them. And it's good for the second, you know, these, uh, the young guys who are now to the point where they can, uh, you know, line up and, and really compete with that first, uh, first defense. So, so from those standpoints, I think, you know, I think they picked up where they left off. And again, that's been the key. I think it was certainly the key to Pete Carroll's, uh, success was, you saw teams that were really good. You know, they didn't ever lose in November. They, and, and they went right through to where they were better by the time they got to the bowl games. And, and that wasn't something that you saw with a lot of teams. A lot of teams, you know, you got a month off and are just trying to, you know, stay at the level they were when they finished the season. And you're not seeing that. Uh, uh, or you didn't see that with Pete's team. And, it looks like this team has, you know, a chance to, you want them to be better than you remember them or better than, say, Penn State sees them on film. And um, so I think I've been very encouraged. I think the first two days have been uh, been a very, very positive. I'm glad they came out in uh, full pads on Tuesday. They're going to come out in full pads next Tuesday. I think that sends a message totally different from the message they sent last year when, uh, they kind of limped into the holiday bowl, you know, with just seven practices. I know they had the week to get ready for the, you know, conference championship game, which this team did not have. But it was just kind of a message that, you know, we don't have to, or maybe we can't take this too seriously, uh, getting ready for the holiday bowl. It's very obvious that's not the message this year. This is a very serious seriously purposeful kind of a, a practice. Uh, and uh, uh, I like that. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. It's uh, definitely been some positive, uh, positive developments, I guess you could say. Um, we want we have a lot of questions down. We wanted to get to before we do, I wanted to thank our sponsor. Um, so it's a company I, I did this once before bet DSI. Um, so check it out. So if you love college football and I don't think you'd be here, if you did not, you can get into the action uh, with BetDSI.com. So they have over 20 years uh, in business. Uh, they're the top uh, top rated and safe site to play. BetDSI.com has great college football special going on right now. So if you sign up today, get $10 free to try the service. And if you use the promo code USC10, so that's USC10. This is for the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, you get $10 free. Uh, there's also a 100% bonus on your first deposit. So lots of... Uh, Bowl action coming up right now. So if you want to try to get in there and, and do some, have some fun wagering with any of that, you can use betdsi.com and use the promo code, uh, USC10. So like I said, great customer service. Uh, you get fast and easy payment of winnings. There's hundreds of college football games, basketball wagers. They got the UFC, other kind of sports as well. There's live in-game wagering with football, basketball, and other, sp- uh, other major sporting events. So basically whatever you want, you can bet it on betdsi. So go to betdsi.com now. That's betdsi.com. Use the promo code USC10. Get your free wager, and you can start winning today. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the bowl season, actually, Dan. The uh, the trying to pick all the bowl games is always is always a lot of fun. Yeah, I was just thinking, going over. I think I, I was reading a story today about oh, uh, the pen. Uh, I don't know which media site it was, but uh, on the Big Ten's games, just the Big Ten's games. So they went down the list, and they were you know mentioning how the USC. Uh, Penn State, easily the the most attractive game if you don't count the Ohio State-Clemson playoff game. But as you go through the list, there are every one of those are, are attractive, interesting games, and some, you know, messed up with the Pac-12. But when you look at 
you know, we always talk about there are 40, you know, bowl games and, and not too many, blah, blah. This year, the bowl schedule is pretty interesting. I mean, I'm, I was looking, you know, and thinking, wow, I'm, you know, and, uh, you know, enjoy watching a lot of these games. This is going to be fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they, uh, they got it right this year, uh, you know, with the bowl. Well, let's jump into these questions, Dan. Tarek had one. He said, what have been your impressions of Matt Fink, and do you see him as a potential USC starter? So he's talking about the true freshman quarterback who's not going to be the backup to Sam Darnold now that Max Brown has left. And I have to, we have to say this every time, Dan. Max Brown is no longer on the team. He's looking for a new team. So there's no backup quarterback anymore. It's going to be Jalen Green. Uh, so they can save Matt Fink's red shirt. Just to clarify, people ask all the time, so I just want to get get that out of the way, Dan. <laughs> yeah, it would have to take a, a number of things happening before uh, they'd use, you know, Matt Fink's uh, red shirt. And he was he's the classic guy that really, absolutely, positively should red shirt. So uh, you know, where you get that extra year or two, or however many uh, you need to see, you know, where are you going to be uh, when you get there. Uh, I think he's a uh, mature kid. Uh, uh, I think he gets it. He understands it. He uh, uh, probably physically is where he really needs to, you know, uh, get that extra year or two where, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, just develops the, you know, the ability to, you know, to take the shots and uh, develops that, that kind of arm where you can make those, uh, you know, that deep out throw and, and, and some of the things and, and really get the ball on time for the stop routes and, and what have you. And I don't think, you know, we have seen that yet. I do think we've seen, though, uh, a guy who going against, you know, for the scout, what he's, the scout team quarterback and that, not afraid to make a play, uh, uh, and, uh, a competitive, uh, competitive kid and, uh, handles himself really well, uh, that way. But, you know, the classic, you know, redshirt freshman, he's just physically, uh, not there and, uh, and needs that time to, to really, uh, work on getting there. But, you know, he's, he's getting, a, he's getting a good, uh, this bowl prep is good for him. I mean, he's really appreciative. He understands what a, what a break this is because he, you know, is getting many of the second team reps because they want Jalen Green to also be able to prep as a, uh, as a wide receiver. So, uh, this has been a good, good time for, uh, uh, for Matt. We'll know more, uh, by the time we get to the bowl and, and then we'll see in the spring, uh, you know, where he is. But I wouldn't want to, you know, like predict, uh, at this point where exactly he's going to be. I, I, I think a, a good example of, of answering a question like that was yesterday. Uh, someone said to Clancy Pendergast, you know, well, now that you've seen Jack Jones and, you know, we know what an athlete he is and where do you think he'll be, um, you know, for next year? And Clancy said, well, we'll see. You know, he's got to come and show us what kind of player he is. You know, Clancy wasn't, you know, for example, giving him anything at this point, uh, saying he's got to, you know, show that, that he can be the, kind of consistent, uh, error-free athlete that, that we need him to be. So I think, you know, making any, I know it, it's, it's great fun to do it on the, on the parasol and make kind of projections and depth charts and all that kind of thing. But, uh, I think when you get right down to it, the players are going to decide that and they're going to decide it by what they do, not what we say about them, uh, you know, this many months at a time. Yeah, good point, Dan. Um, it's gonna, 
It depends on what they do. We can do a lot of talking, but <laughs> that doesn't matter as much. Um, yeah. Let's go Earl in West L.A. Uh, he said, USC has asked for NFL draft evaluations for five players, including Adore Jackson and Juju Smith-Schuster. USC did not release the names of the other three players they asked to be evaluated. Any idea on who they might be? Well, you'd have to think uh, uh, Damian Mama and Vianney uh, Talamavayo. And we were all you know, talking about that yesterday. I don't know. Chris Hawkins, uh, who, what would you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody else exactly. I mean, I guess Nico technically could be in that position. Um, uh, I just, nobody else just jumped. You know, they're either seniors or they're sophomores kind of on this team yeah uh with the, the players we've got so uh went through that list and, and i didn't see anybody that jumped out at me that said okay besides those guys we just named uh i don't know uh can you come up with with somebody else i mean that that's six but yeah those were the I names i was kind of thinking of but i you know i'd have to go back and listen to what clay helton said as well because did he he said you can have up to five i don't remember did he say <laughs> They put five no, in. No, he didn't. He did not say that they they had, uh, you know, asked for five. I mean, when we were talking to Adore yesterday, he said, "Well, the coaches are, are want me to put my name in. They want me to get that information." He didn't even say that he asked for that. Yeah. And, he, and he basically said he's not going to make his decision based on that. Uh, of course, he also said, "Mock draft? What's a mock draft?" Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who does that? So, <laughs> Adore wasn't going to go there. Adore, he's really good. He's better at, than a lot of coaches at not answering, uh, uh, you know, the questions he doesn't need to answer. I mean, Lane Kiffin should bring Adore down and let Adore teach him how to deal with the media. Because if Adore didn't want to say, he, he, because some you know, people obviously wanted to say, well, this mock draft says you're here. This mock draft says you're there. Uh, what do you think about that? And he doesn't want to talk about that. Uh, and I don't blame him. I mean, it's, but, uh, if you say, what's a mock draft? You don't have to answer that question because it's like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's really good. I mean, he was, he's so good at, at doing that. Uh, it's just, pretty amazing uh it's one of the reasons kids ought to think about if you want to say what's a good reason to come to usc well all the other things that we know about one of them is you really do get a chance to deal with the media you get a chance to answer tough questions you get a chance to uh, learn to you know uh think on your feet and uh it's it's just amazing uh, the development you see of these kids. Uh, we were talking about Quentin Powell yesterday. What a, you know, breath of fresh air. What a delight uh, he is, uh, you know, as a fourth-year guy, uh, you know, coming out of Florida. And his development, just the way he uh, handles himself and with the press and all that is just it's terrific. And uh, it's just a, a great, you know, some great examples of, of some of the other things that, you know, coming to USC and, and getting to do that uh, and on a daily or weekly basis is, uh, is pretty special, I think. For sure. Um, let's see. Kevin, no longer in South Orange County, wrote in, Dan. He said, 
What are your and Dan's thoughts on Michael Hutchings' future as a coach? I've watched his press conferences and recently saw a film study he did with Chris Hawkins uh, for a TV deal, and he sure seemed to be on it. Very well thought out and detail-oriented. Uh, didn't appear he'll have much of a future in the NFL. Uh, you think Clay keeps him on as a grad assistant? Uh, that's Kevin, who is no longer in South Orange County. Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> Kevin, uh, great point. I, if I were, you know, advising Clay, I would say hire him in a heartbeat. I, I just think he's he's terrific. Uh, the kids respect him. Here's a kid that didn't really get a chance for a couple of years, and then you know is resurrected uh, by uh, you know Clancy who doesn't hold his size against him and figures out ways uh, uh, to use him and, and, and use his strength. And there were times over the last two years where we said, well, whenever they let him do something, he really does it. You know, whenever they played him or, or, or in practice, you know, you'd say, wow. But he never really got the chance for those two years. He got the chance this year, and you realize all that, you know, De, De La Salle background and that, that intelligence and, and all the things he understands about the game come through. Uh, and I, you know, I agree. It will be a reach, uh, uh, for him probably in the NFL. Although I, I wouldn't completely rule it out. He's sort, you know, he's just on the very edge size wise and, you know, athleticism wise. Uh, but, um, but yeah, if I were anybody who had a you know a grand assistant position, he'd be uh, at the top of the list. He's uh, he's terrific. The kids respect him. He can say what uh, what needs to be said in ways in which you can see it gets through, uh, you know, to his teammates. So yeah, he's been a big a big plus, and and, and a big plus you know for and a big you know uh, for Clancy to recognize what he could do with Michael and then for Michael to take advantage of that and become a, a real leader on the, on that defense. Uh, it, it's been a terrific development for this team. Certainly has. Um, yeah, he's a great kid too. So you hope, I mean, I hope he has some success if he can go on the NFL. I'm glad he got to see the field this year and play a lot. We'll see what happens there, but I could definitely see him being a, a coach down the road. Um, we have Mike. He said, I'd like to hear about Kenny Bigelow. Have you heard anything about Kenny's rehab? And do you see him starting on the defensive line next year? If not, uh, who would start in his place? Thanks. Mike of class of Mike class of 2002 currently in Connecticut. Brr, Mike. Sorry about that. Mike. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, Kenny's doing more and more. I mean, every, uh, <clears throat> every week. I mean, he's at another level this week in terms of. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the pads on, but he's got his, you know, he's in, you know, his gear, got his number 95. And, and we haven't asked him, but Kenny looks a whole lot bigger. I mean, Kenny slimmed down, trimmed down. Kenny looks to me like uh, he might be able to play anywhere on the line of scrimmage uh, next year. But he's doing, you know, all the doing more lateral movements and, uh, you know, just starts and stances and, and, and just, a lot of stuff now that we, you know, we've seen him gradually move into it. You know, we'd see him start doing doing calisthenics where he he'd be in line with everybody else, and then working with the individual rehab guys, and uh, and then he just he's made a lot of progress. But uh, I've got to ask him how big he is right now because he looks like he could certainly play inside, uh, you know, next year with uh, 
you know, with the guys coming back, that's the, obviously the place uh, you're looking for somebody who can, um, you know, step in for Stevie, who made such a difference and allowed, you know, the other guys up front to, uh, to you know, to play to their strengths. So Kenny might be might be that guy. I'm I'm very encouraged with what I'm what I'm seeing, and, and skill wise, Kenny might be more uh, uh, geared to be in that plugger guy, that guy that occupies two or three people in the middle, that guy that they just can't run by. Uh, now that he's gotten, you know, the kind of bulk that he looks like he's bulked up to, you know, that may be a, a better place for Kenny, uh, anyway. And, um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic about Kenny. We have, uh, Paul in Santa Clarita. He said, hello, Dan. Uh, any <laughs> truth to the rumor that we'll like, that there will likely be players transferring out of the program? Uh, thanks. Paul and Santa Clara, and there, there's already been some. I mean, we know Noah Jefferson's transferring, and, and Max Brown is transferring. But uh, anything else, Dan? Yeah, well, EJ Price, I guess. So that's the three uh, that we know about. And uh, other than that, I mean, you know, I thought uh, uh, Gerard did a great piece on uh, you know the rumors, Yakeli uh, Ross, and uh, and you know, it doesn't look like you know those rumors, and it, it certainly looks like people just look around who was, you know, maybe supposed to play more than they're playing. And you know what? I'll bet he might be transferring with, you know, no connection, no nothing. Just throw it out there. And then somebody says, well, I saw it on another site. So is that, you know, they're breathless almost like, oh, my gosh, is he going out of here? And I think somebody posted a, a, the history of USC transfers or guys that moved on or, you know, had pro and, 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 you know, the last 10 years, it's like two guys, three guys maybe, who actually went and hit a fairly good career. The history of transferring out, he hasn't, hasn't been all that great, uh, in, in terms of, you know, especially when it's their own choice. And, um, and I think one of the things they're really selling to these kids is, uh, for example, Isaac Whitney the other day tweeted about, what a thrill it is for him to have completed his USC education, that he's going to have a, a USC degree, and what, you know, how special that is for him. And, uh, you know, here's a kid that maybe didn't get the chance that he thought he might and that his skills, you know, I mean, they're just, there were so many guys at that position. And it just, you know, coming in as a junior college kid, you're kind of behind people. But he understood that he, you know, the, the best thing he's got is going to be his USC degree. And, uh, I think more of the kids are starting to understand. And, and Yukili, I think, referenced that, that, you know, I'm getting a great education. I'm going to have, you know, great, uh, you know, connections and all of that. And, uh, football is just, uh, you know, a part of that. And so, uh, I wouldn't want to, you know, right now say, you know, any of these kids, uh, that you think, is going to, is going to transfer. I, I just, you know, I, I don't know that it's obviously a better situation, uh, you know, if you transfer out. I mean, I just think if you're, if it's EJ Price or Noah Jefferson, if there's just not a fit and it's just not the place for them, then absolutely you move on. And USC says, fine, you know, we wish them well because, uh, you know, even with their, you know, obvious talents, 
it's just not the right place for him. And with Max, uh, you, you want him to move on because you want him to get that chance to be in the right place and, and be able, you know, after all that he's done for USC, you want him to be able to, to do that. But as far as those guys who, you know, you say, well, he's not happy here. He's, you know, just, I don't see that. Uh, and I wouldn't, you know, come up with the name at this point, uh, you know, you know, for, for the guy to, to do that. And, and, you know, USC, I do think can make the case that you, you might be better off staying than going somewhere else and still maybe not, you know, not, not making it work. Uh, you know, there are some examples of that, you know, right now, uh, of guys who left USC and then went somewhere else and now they're leaving that place and going somewhere else. And, uh, it, it's not, you know, necessarily the best thing you know, to do. So I don't, I don't see anybody doing that right now. Doesn't mean there won't be, but I, I just, it's not obvious that that will happen. We have, uh, Paul in Vegas who wrote in Dan. He said, I haven't heard anybody make the observation that USC will have played three major comp conference champions this season. Uh, off the top of your head, do you ever remember anyone else doing that? Before the season, we heard that ours was a tough schedule. Thanks, Paul in Las Vegas. You're right, Paul. That Nobody has made that observation. <clears throat> and as a result, probably nobody's checked that out. But, uh, yeah, they've got the SEC champ, Alabama, and the uh, Big Ten champ coming up, Penn State, and obviously the uh, Pac-12 champ in, in Washington. Uh, uh, and I doubt anybody, the other thing about the Pac-12, has anybody ever beaten both teams who are in the championship game and they're not in the championship game? I mean, it's just, you know, there's some of that stuff, crazy stuff happened in, uh, the Big Ten where you had <clears throat> the higher ranked, uh, Ohio State and Michigan teams at the time were not in the championship game with Penn State and Wisconsin. I think these, uh, and Michigan, uh, Michigan beat both of them too. Dan, Michigan, yeah, Mi- yeah Michigan did beat right. both of them. Yeah. Yeah, so uh I think the unbalanced schedule, for example, had Colorado, you know, who, who won the South, uh, had they had to play Washington just as USC did, they wouldn't have won the South. I don't think there's anybody, you know, if they had to play Washington during the regular season. So, you know, they got a pass to some extent into the championship game because they – uh, you know, USC played Washington, beat Washington, I and mean, they obviously lost to two other teams. But, uh, uh, I think conferences are going to have to figure out a way to make, you know, the championship a little more reflective of who's the best team. I mean, I don't think, does anybody disagree that USC wasn't the best team in the Pac-12, you know, by the end of the year, uh, or the last two months or however long you want to go. And, um, so, is there a way to, to make that more, you know, reflective of, of the reality? Although you go to the big, you know, the Big Ten and, and it, it is hard to make the case that necessarily Penn State's the best team, but they did beat Ohio State. They did, you know, beat Wisconsin and, uh, here they are. And yet they didn't make it into the playoffs, which sounds like what you read on the Penn State boards. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. Wait, you know, what, what are we doing on the outside looking in? They, they, they're lucky. Obviously they get to play another team pretty much in the same situation. 
or a very similar situation and in the best in the best bowl game of them all so so that makes them uh, pretty happy but that's a good that's a great observation about USC and the the three uh conference champs and Earl in West LA wants to know he said am i correct in understanding there's going to be seven home games in 2017 and he lists uh Western Michigan, Texas, Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona, Utah and UCLA it appears that that's the case. Uh, I guess the big question is, uh, and we haven't had the Pac-12 schedule released yet, but you know, if they follow form, where USC plays Stanford in the, you know, first game of the Pac-12, which is beyond crazy, uh, and I know they say that the Notre Dame flip-flop uh, schedule for both teams uh, requires that, but could USC possibly open it? You know, three straight home games with Western Michigan, then Stanford, then Texas, or however that that works. Uh, and people are trying to say, "Wow, that that's really odd if if that happens." But nobody's come up with another scenario yet. But uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting year. Uh, uh, you know, if uh, if some things happen in the off season in terms of who comes back, um, they ought to sell a lot of season tickets. I <laughs> mean. The whole the difference between last year and this year. I mean, if you've got a team that a lot of people think will will clearly be a a, a top five or top four preseason team, a, a team that people are thinking going to go to the playoffs. Uh, you've got a Heisman Trophy candidate or two, depending on how you know the returnees uh, from you know the NFL uh, early decisions uh, come down. Uh, you would have. If you're a US, you're in charge of selling tickets for USC football next year. You're probably in a pretty good place. Yeah, you. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you hope so, right? I guess. Right, and <laughs> I guess PJ Fleck is still going to be at Western Michigan. Yeah, Unless something happens. Uh, I mean, he said. I guess he said he only wants a you know uh, a Power Five job, and right now I don't think there are any. Uh, there sure could be, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, all I can say is Tennessee better beat uh, Nebraska <laughs> in their ball game. Uh, but, um, but if he's back at Western Michigan and they, I don't know what, you know, what they're going to do in the, in the Cotton Bowl, but if they win that, they'd have the, you know, they in Alabama, you know, would have the longest win streaks, uh, in college football. And it would be interesting, USC was involved in Alabama's win streak last year as an opener, and they'd be involved in Western Michigan's win streak as an opener next year. So uh, a lot of kind of interesting things that, that might happen in that schedule, and then they'll, you know, get a chance to go against Tom Herman in Texas. And that ought to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a uh, <laughs> – Big coaching change programs like Western Michigan and Texas. Uh, certainly it'll be fun and Clay Helton will be, you know, in a more stable place. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes next year, but we're still going to talk about this year, of course, but that yeah, was just, well, I was just thinking, uh, you talk about Clay Helton in a, in a more stable place. I mean, here's a guy, he was basically fired in September and he's one of the 10 finalists for the Bear Bryant coach <laughs> of the year award in December. I mean, that's like whoever has come back that fast, that far. Uh, you know, I mean, James Franklin kind of almost made that same, uh, trip at yeah. Penn State. They were two and two, but they lost the, they got just 
killed 49-10 by Michigan, so they had this similar Alabama game. And then they got beat by uh, uh, Pittsburgh, who, you know, they haven't played Pittsburgh in a while, and Penn State people do not appreciate losing to Pittsburgh. No. So he had two real uh, negatives on his uh, September resume that had them kind of looking for, well, who's next? You know, they were doing the, you know, getting ready to do those, uh, you know, coaches hot board. And uh, here, Franklin's, you know, one of the, you know, Bear Bryant finalists also. I mean, it's just, uh, uh, it's a long season. Yeah. And, you, you know, if you do it right, uh, you know, it is kind of how you finish. And the man who hired Clay Helton, we have a question about that, Dan. Uh, Earl in West LA again, he said, a year ago, people wanted to run Pat Hayden out of town on a rail because of his hiring practices. This podcast seriously questioned his ability to lead the athletic department. Uh, today, no one is saying that. Um, well, I think some people still are, Earl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one seems <laughs> oh, to be you're giving... you're not listening to <laughs> you're not listening. everybody. No one seems to be giving him credit for the terrific coaches he hired during his tenure. Um, I don't know how you say your first name. Uh, McAlpine just won an NCAA soccer title in his third season. Yeah, that was a terrific hire. Okay. And, and, it, and it was the obvious hire. I mean, he had done a great job at uh, Washington State. I mean, uh, uh, and he was the coach of the year in the Pac-12. And if, you, if, you, if you're looking for a, a soccer coach and the Washington State has a coach of the year, a young guy, smart guy, um, you know, that's where you go. But he just, Pat deserves credit for, uh, for that, that hire. Uh, it was a terrific hire. So he's mentioned to him, he said, Dan Hubbs took baseball to the postseason in his fourth year, Andy Enfield. Took basketball to the NCAA tournament in his third year. Has them 9-0 right now. Their best start since 1971. Uh, Carly Smith-Gilbert has maintained track and field Olympic standards in spite of a 12-scholarship limit. And finally, Clay Helton has USC back in the Rose Bowl. And in the national conversation a year ago, he looked like a pariah. Now he looks more like a genius, don't you think? Uh, Earl in West L.A. I mean, it's a it, you got to kind of balance things out. I mean, the baseball hirings, there was, you know, a there wasn't just one hire. There were a couple, you know, a couple and the previous one really didn't work out. So you got, you know, there are positives and negatives, uh, uh, there. I think that, you know, track and field is sensational hire. Uh, it's, you know, wonderful job there. Um, uh, Andy, I think still the, the, the jury is still a little bit out. I mean, I think one of the issues is, um, uh, the fact that six of the 12 players eligible to come back this year decided not to come back and went other places. And that just, nobody, you know, uh, even, you know, around the team, it's just like nobody's sure exactly, you know, there's a lot of transfers you know, up to, uh, you know, 25% of college basketball players transfer, but 50% of your team. Uh, so it's not a hundred percent in terms of all the hiring. And far, as far as football, this is the interesting one because that's not how we understand that it went down. How we understand it went down is it, it, it more, much more. I mean, Pat was looking at a, uh, uh, an NFL guy who, you know, still is not a, not a head coach yet, uh, but an ex NFL guy and, from what we understand, the call was really Max's that, uh, 
he got involved and said, you know, we're just not going to take any chances. We want a good person. We don't want somebody who, you know, I mean, you put your, your reputation on the line when you, you get involved in, you know, hiring, say, Steve Sarkeesian. And, and everybody looks at that and says, wow, you know, that doesn't look good for USC. It doesn't look good for anybody involved in the hiring process. So I don't know that the hiring process was such that that was past hire. Uh, uh, but that was the, the call and, and Pat went along with it. And, you know, but, uh, from our reporting, uh, that was not really Pat's hire. And so, I, you know, and there's a lot of other. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah, and there's a lot of other criticisms of Pat Hayden as well. I, you know, hated the way he handled the sanctions and all that kind of stuff. And as this McNair stuff rolls on, um, it just doesn't. It's not going to make USC look good uh, in that light. There's a lot of. I mean, Pat Hayden's been a great Trojan. Uh, you know, there's so much positive things about Pat Hayden. I did not agree with a lot of the major decisions he made as the athletic director. I stand by just about everything I said or everything I said on that. And I think, you know, Dan would probably feel the same way. But, you know, some of these other coaches are looking to be, uh, you know, better off. We'll see. I mean, we, we still don't know, like with Andy Info, we don't know about Clay Helton, too. I mean, there's a lot of factors that are going to be in place. Um, to, can he get back to a consistent, you know, win the South, win Rose Bowls, things like that? We'll see. But it's looking a lot more promising, obviously, on the football side. And to be honest, if you can't hire good coaches at USC, you're not doing any something right because when you look at USC, I mean, just look at, you know, it's a top 25 academic school. You know, they just basically raised the $6 billion, uh, the most money of any school in American higher education in one, uh, in one drive. Uh, you know, this campus once, you know, especially once they get the, you know, the village, university village, uh, online next year, I mean, where it's located and, uh, you know, you almost can't beat it. And then you got the history. You know, uh, there are different ways you can count NCAA championships or national championships. And USC's right there with, you know, with obviously with UCLA and Stanford, but USC's got the, you know, the football, uh, you know, uh, championships uh, that the others don't have. And USC's been there for such a long time and has, you know, the most, uh, you know, first round draft picks and Hall of Famers and, and, and overall NFL draft picks. And there's so much. The USC's got the greatest record overall in the history of the NCAA in uh, baseball and track and field. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're recruiting a golfer for USC, you say, well, I just throw this in. You will have a membership at Riviera Country Club. Oh, really? Huh. I get to play at Riviera every, every day? Yeah. Yes, he's got a lot going for it. I mean, you really ought to be able to go out and hire the best coaches. And so as much as you want to get credit for that, it's not like something that, say, separates you from, uh, uh, you know, the field if, if you've got some, uh, some things that really were negative and didn't work out. And, uh, and, and there were enough of those to, you know, make it a mixed bag. So I wouldn't want to try to push it and say, you know, uh, everything has turned around and now everybody sees this differently. I don't think that's the case. I think I wouldn't try to, uh, overdo that case. I would just say it is what it is. It, you know, there was, 
there were good things and, and there were bad things. And, uh, uh, and now somebody else is, is doing that job who, who we really haven't heard from much yet in terms of, uh, he's been very quiet behind the scenes, uh, you know, Lynn Swan. It'd be interesting to see when we start seeing, um, you know, some, uh, real indications of, of where Lynn Swan is going because, uh, you know, the program, in terms of, I think the biggest issues are going to be the Coliseum redevelopment. I mean, that's something's got to be done there, uh, and, 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 and changing the direction and, uh, and the whole relationship with the PAC 12, with a PAC 12 whose leadership has completely lost its way in terms of television, in terms of the PAC 12 network, uh, in, in terms of scheduling and, and so many things that, uh, you know, look like they were going in the right direction five years ago and have just completely, you know, taken the Pac-12 to the bottom of the barrel in so many of the ways that uh, other conferences have, have gone past them and, and with no uh, indication that, uh, you know, they're going to figure it out. So uh, so I think there's some big things on, on Lin Swan's plate. It's going to be interesting to see how, how he handles them, but uh, so far we don't don't really have a, a an indication of, of how that's going. We got a couple more, uh, and then we'll let you go, Dan. Joseph in Monterey says, Greetings, happy holidays to the team at uscfootball.com. This is a random question for Dan and yourself. Here it goes. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how boosters are affecting the hirings and firings at universities, specifically when it comes to buyouts. The devil is in the details, though. Do schools from contractual agreements with boosters say that if Coach X is hired, for this amount, you will pay a Y amount uh, of dollars towards the salary. I imagine there's no way to know with USC and the private school status, but is this common in public schools, or uh, is it often as simple as University of Texas, for example, the president of the school saying, if we lure Tom Herman and fire Charlie Strong, then we expect a donation of this much money, you know, Y dollars. And part two of the question is, uh, who are some of the noteworthy sports boosters of USC who maintain a strong voice? Are there any that are public about it? Thanks again. Fight on. Beat the Nittany Lions. My dad's a season ticket holder for Penn State, so I'll proudly be uh, the Trojan horse wearing a USC gear in my in that whiteout section. Uh, he shouldn't have had a son graduate from USC. Cheers, uh, Joseph and Monterey. Ah, uh, good question, Joseph. Uh, I think uh, it really depends on the schools and the boosters. I mean, I think, for example, in the recent Lane Kiffin to Houston situation, I think it became a standoff between the uh, fairly well-known chairman of the board at Houston who's got a TV show and uh, a wealthy guy, a restaurateur, and a uh, chain of restaurants and what have you. And I think it, it did, to some extent, come down over the buyout. I mean, I think he decided we are not going to get caught uh, with a guy like Tom Herman comes in two years and then leaves after getting everybody excited. And I, I, my understanding was they were asking if, if they were going to give Lane a five-year, you know, deal for, let's say, you know, and they, and this is the other thing. They had gone from, you know, I don't know, much over a million dollars to three million dollars for Herman. And so if they were going to give Lane a, a five-year deal at three million dollars a year, they were going to say, we want a $15 million buyout. You know, if you leave after year two or after year one, you, you got to pay us 12, 12 million back. And, and you know prorate it based on the the remaining amount of the, the contract 
I think it was one. Of, it was a deal breaker. But I think it became, you know, you ended up having the like the chairman of the board negotiating with the, the coach and his agent, and so that was pretty. And he was public about it. Uh, uh, you know, where he didn't exactly say it went to that place, but he was public about you know kind of his role and and, and things. At Texas, I think it's just like Texas and Texas A&M. It's kind of understood that uh, from their big boosters, that money will be there. Although, you know, like Texas has so much money, I'm not even sure that's always an issue with a school like Texas with the amount of revenue they generate. It's just they know that's going to be there. Although I think schools are finally, you know, they've done a lot of dumb things in extending coaches. Uh, I mean, obviously, like last year, Kentucky probably would have let go Mark Stoops except for the fact he had like a $15 million buyout. I mean, uh, you know, so guaranteed contracts. So it was going to cost them $15 million to let their football coach, who was like 4-22 and 22 in the SEC, go. So, uh, you know, he had a halfway decent year this year, so maybe they got lucky. But uh, I think schools are, are realizing that the agents for these coaches have done a much better job in negotiating than the – ADs at the schools who aren't really, I mean, you know, if you've got guys who've got all these top coaches all over the country, they're so much more uh, equipped to do the negotiating for them than each individual athletic director. So I think finally there's been enough publicity that the athletic directors have realized we have to do something and, and getting a big buyout, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what it would cost a coach if he leaves on his because it was like always at one way street the coach was protected if you fired him but the school wasn't very well protected if the coach left and now i think that's uh that's coming back to uh, a more even place as far as usc i think uh it's no secret uh he was at practice the other day and you know he's uh donated the uh the great practice field that usc has with brian kennedy uh you know uh, a long time uh, you know, booster, and I used to, I know, uh, during the NCAA stuff, and, and it was always ridiculous because none of the NCAA stuff had anything to do with any USC booster whatsoever. But they paid the penalty, you know, they couldn't go on the trips with the team and all that kind of stuff that they, you know, had, had been part of, uh, you know, the situation. And so, uh, but, uh, but it's great to see somebody like Brian Kennedy uh, back and involved. He was there with Jim Hardy, the, the great 93-year-old former USC and Rams quarterback. And, uh, you know, it just guys like that, you know, do a lot. And if you're one of those people, you very often have a fairly strong opinion about uh, about how things are going. And uh, I, I may not <laughs> – there are stories about Brian at – at, 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 at football by question that Brian tells himself that I won't repeat here, but, uh, he, he's not afraid to say what he thinks. And, uh, I think, you know, he has nothing but USC's best interests at heart. I think one of the other people who, uh, has always been, uh, identified with USC athletics is, uh, uh, is Wayne Hughes, the, uh, public storage, uh, you know, he's a, an alum like Brian, uh, the public storage billionaire who uh, uh, has, uh, you know, 
had USC's best interests, I think, always at heart and has always been there to kind of, you know, when, when USC, uh, you know, needs somebody to be there. I don't know if you saw the, uh, the OJ Simpson documentary, but, uh, I always remember this, that, uh, they used all the, the real, you know, things that everybody said and, and OJ, uh, coming back to LA in the, uh, Bronco, was on the phone with, I think, Robert Kardashian, another USC graduate. <laughs> and he says to Robert Kardashian, this is when you're not sure if OJ's going to shoot himself or not, says, uh, make sure you say goodbye to Wayne Hughes. <laughs> so, you know, you have people like that who have been identified with the program, you know, for a long time. And, uh, uh, but I don't think they, I, they don't call the shots at all. That's the interesting thing I think at USC. They're really not, you know, they're there to support or if you ask their opinion or whatever, but it wouldn't probably be where you'd have any of them negotiating uh, anything. Uh, and technically, you're not supposed to do that anywhere in the country, but uh, I think there are a lot of programs. I, I mean, I was at, when I covered Kentucky, uh, Kentucky basketball, they had, they actually still allowed the media to go into the locker room, which is unbelievable. But we only got to go in second. The first group that got, went into the locker room were the boosters. So they actually, they'd open up the locker room and here come the boosters. Then a little bit later, they'd, uh, let the, uh, let the media in. And it was kind of amazing because sometimes the kids would still have the money rolled up in their hands. <laughs> or they'd be counting it. As you come in, the players are, you know, huh. It was, uh, so you've never seen anything like that at USC, and you're not gonna. I mean, it's just, uh, but, uh, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. It is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got one more for you, Dan. It's our buddy Nick, uh, Nick from Cyprus. He said, my question is simple. I think it breaks the unwritten rule on the Peristyle podcast. It's about basketball. Uh, what do you think of the season so far besides the obvious that we are undefeated? Uh, from how we have been given no love in the top 25 rankings. Well, now that is, I think this was from last week. Uh, winning with injuries, not playing without our best, uh, not playing our best basketball games, big road wins, the coaching staff, et cetera. I trust your opinion on basketball considering I'm not. Uh, mistaken, you covered Kentucky basketball, which is the equivalent to our football program, where you can't be, you can't BS those fans like you can be at, like you can't BS us. Uh, fight on, love what you guys do. That's Nick. Yeah, it is. I think I, I was lucky. I, I, I covered US, when I started covering USC football, I also covered UCLA basketball. And that was like, I got to, you know, the three straight final four teams and all that talent, you know, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love and, you know, 15 guys that went on to the NBA. So I, I got to do both of those. I think I'm the only person that covered both the UCLA basketball beat and the Kentucky basketball beat. So that was, that was fun. And I, we used to kid about that because the UCLA people talked about, oh, how much pressure there was. And you would talk to the, you know, you realize you try to tell them, no, there's nothing even close to the pressure on UK basketball. And, and, you know, they may have the perfect guy to, they hit Patino and then Calipari. They may have the perfect guys who have egos that are big enough to, to deal with that. But, uh, uh, as far as USC, 
I think they've done it. I mean, uh, I think the win at Texas A&M showed me that they've grown up a lot, and uh, you know they were athletic enough to run by the, you know a big Texas A&M team that had people thinking that you know they could be the second best team in the SEC. Uh, SMU, I think people thought they were going to be a little bit better than they they've turned out to be, but uh, uh, for the USC to be able to handle the loss of Benny Boatwright uh, for you know the six weeks and uh, and play athletic enough, I mean I probably would still like to see him play less half court basketball and more full court, just run the court because they've got great athletes. They get they get the more they get into their transition game, the more they get those open three pointers, and they got kids you know on a number of spots that can can knock the three pointers down. And, you know, they've got people who are athletic enough to beat you down the floor. I think one of the reasons, and I looked at the, you know, USC finally gets into the top 25, and you say, wow, that's great. And you looked at the other teams that are in that 21 to 25, the bottom five of the, of the rankings, and you saw Notre Dame, who's lost just one game and played the heck out of Villanova the other day, and uh, Florida State, who's lost just one game and, uh, and beat Florida the other and, – and, I'm thinking uh, who else is in there. Cincinnati, who lost two games, and um, well, I can't can't think of the fifth team. But uh, those teams are good. Now I'm I'm not sure. You know, all of those might also have the same kind of gripe. Like, well, what do we have to do to to get noticed? But uh, but it, they certainly should have been ranked, and and now they they are ranked. Um, I think one thing that's hurt USC and put them under the radar this year is UCLA getting that great freshman group that they've got. And a UCLA team that they beat, whatever, was it three, four times last year? Uh, and now they've got Lonzo Ball and TJ Leaf, and uh, they just, they're just a really, really, really good basketball team. So I think uh, USC, you know, obviously the, the two teams in L.A. are, what, 18-0 and 0 now or something like that? Uh and that's kind of unheard of. I think there are only six uh, unbeaten teams in America, and two of them are in L.A. And USC just happens to be the other team. But uh, I'm really looking forward to those UCLA games because the way UCLA likes to run the floor and the way USC has to run the floor, uh, those games, I mean, I'd get your tickets the first time they play is at Galen, and I'd get your tickets now. I don't know if Benny Boatwright will be back for that game or not. But uh, those are going to be exciting. That'll be fun. Uh, and and that's all I think right now. Just if if they play their best, you know, basketball, don't you know, don't slow the game down. Don't try to play the other team the way the other team wants to play it. Push push the, push the ball up the floor, and uh, and be more athletic. I think they've got a chance. Uh, uh, when you look at the way the Pac-12 is is playing out uh, in this preseason, Oregon with Dylan Brooks's injury hasn't been quite the team that. That they thought they would be, and the rest of the Pac-12 uh, looks a little plodding, a little non-athletic, you know, with some bigger guys, but maybe not the athletes USC has. So uh, uh, I'm I'm fairly encouraged. I know people at the beginning of the year, Joe Lenardi, for example, ESPN bracketologist, was not including USC in his NCA bracket, and uh, I think that'll be revised, uh, obviously, at this point. I mean, I. I think I, I, in a war room about a month ago, I picked them to go 11 and two uh, in the uh, preseason before the Pac-12 started, and everybody thought I was crazy. I mean, what are you, 11 and two? 
I I may have really undershot it at this point. Uh, you know, they got a chance to got a chance to win them all. And uh, how about that? That'd be pretty neat. Pretty crazy. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. Thanks for uh, coming on, sharing your insights. I know one more practice this week, and then we'll be back uh, back at it again next week. So thanks again. Okay, enjoyed it, and uh, stay. Uh, we'll try to stay dry today. This is going to be an interesting afternoon. Yeah, hopefully it's dry for you. Um, <laughs> but that's Dan Weber. does a great job on for us at uscfootball.com. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.